The film and TV show is part of Britpod Scene, an independent network of uniquely British podcasts that's always growing. Check out BritpodScene.com or follow Britpod Scene on Twitter to find out more. You're going to need a bigger boat. <laughs> Good evening and welcome to the Film and TV Show with me, Richard S., on this lovely sunny Monday evening. Hope you had a great day. Um, as you can tell from the uh, little bits of beginning, we are going to be doing films by the awesome Steven Spielberg. With uh, See if you can re- recognise some of those quotes in there. I tried to go for the ones that were most obvious, obviously. Um, as always, joined by Alex and Andrew. Hello. 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 <laughs> it's, been, it's been a while since we've had Andrew on, so... so yeah. So I've given we, we, we're going to be doing a quiz tonight, and uh, in the hope that you know everyone can have fun. <laughs> I don't right. want to say some people easing will get back thrashed. into it. Yes, easing back it's into it with a really hard for me. No, absolutely <laughs> not. So, uh, so yes, so we're going to be talking about Steven Spielberg films off the back of doing our Ready Player One um, podcast that was last week, which was mm. really really good. So we got a lot of uh, positive feedback from that, and on the back of that, we actually got one of the. Uh, members of cast um, to come to the Lowdown Film Festival in September. Guy Potter, which is fantastic. So awesome um, if, if I think Guy said he was subscribing. So if you are, Guy, I hope you uh, enjoy this show and uh, see you in September. Wicked. Which is awesome. So if you want to get involved in the Lowdown Film Festival, if you want to just come, um, have a look around, speak to people, do some of our panels or anything, find us on um, Twitter at Lowdown FF, Facebook Lowdown FF. We've got a Facebook group as well, so you can find us on there as well, which will be awesome. Um, so, yeah, I'm in my Gremlins T-shirt tonight, <laughs> done by Sorella nice. Print, because of a, a, a little thing about Gremlins that I'll go into a bit later on. Um, but, yeah, so uh, this was done by Sorella Print. So if you want to get some custom T-shirts or anything like that, speak to Sorella Print. They're also going to be at Lowdown Film Festival selling their wares as well um, Louise will have her sisters and everybody else with her helping her out so uh, so come along that'll be great um, follow us on Twitter at the FTV show and on Facebook FTV show and if you are on Instagram and you want to, to like and share and everything else on there it's film and TV show um, now that's done out of the way thank you very much for you guys <laughs> that listen on the podcast thank you so much uh, reviews are always helpful um, if you do put a review on we will Read it out. Doesn't matter what it's like. Please uh, leave us a review if you're listening, and uh, let us know what you think. 
Yeah. Because we, 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 yeah, really, yeah, we, we love to hear yeah. it. Yeah, we really want to hear it. We really want to know what, what you think. Even if it's just Andrew sucks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we love to hear why you think I'm so terrible. So. Or Andrew yeah. who? Uh, yeah, yeah, well, exactly, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm so... Um, getting a lot of abuse this evening. That's <laughs> fine. I'm there in a while. We're only playing. So, yes, yeah, so Spielberg. <clears throat> so we're going to start off with a nice little quiz. Sweet. But before we do that, I want to just go through a couple of uh, little facts about Spielberg that I found when I was actually going through um, and just looking a little bit at him. So, Stephen Allen Spielberg. You wouldn't have thought his middle name would be Allen, would you? S-A- it's just S-A-S, right? It is, yeah. 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 Uh, born December 18th, 1946, in Cincinnati, Ohio. 1946. Wow. Yeah. He's 72 this year. Still going Mate, strong. He's looking Still good going. for 72. Isn't say, he just? Like, yeah, he's a spry, spry gentleman. <laughs> he doesn't, I do, do you know what? He doesn't look... 72 no, it doesn't. Doesn't no. look it at all. No. Um, it's all that money. That <laughs> yeah, it's all that money. <laughs> yeah, all that money. Rolls you around in it all night and it you know, keeps you young. Yeah. Steve, if you want to give us some of the money, mate, you yeah. crack on. We'll yeah. happily take some yeah. off your hands. Yeah. Um, co-founder of DreamWorks. Yeah. Which, yeah, uh, which cool. I, I knew he had some sort of um, involvement in it, but I didn't realise he was a co-founder of it, which mm. is awesome. Mm. Uh, married twice and he's got seven children wow. as well. Um, <laughs> yep, which is uh, still looking really good for a guy <laughs> yeah. with seven kids. It's, it's all that money again. <laughs> yeah, it's all that money. Um, although he is, he is grey. He is, you know, he's got a grey hair and grey beard and stuff. But, yeah, he's, but he he's, just pulls he's, he's it like off. A, it's like he's still a, a healthy kind of older gentleman. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Like, it's not like looking frail kind of thing. It's no, he looks amazing for his age. Yeah. When mm. you see some seventy-year-olds who've been doing sixty fags a day. For the last fifty years, look about hundred. Yeah, yeah well, so yeah, you know yeah. it's that healthy Hollywood lifestyle. Yeah, you yeah. know, um, he has cameos. Okay, in the following films: Blues Brothers, okay, Vanilla Sky. I didn't see him in that. But maybe. Austin Powers Gold Member. Yeah, and Gremlins. Hence the T-shirt. He's in, he, he's in Gremlins. He's in Gremlins. Apparently, what? yeah. It doesn't specify yeah. where, but he has a cameo in Gremlins, he's and he was. Um, and, and he was obviously for, for most of the films that he's done his filmography is huge yes um, he's either been a producer a director or executive mm. producer except for um, The Goonies and Poltergeist of which he wrote those films no. That's interesting. Mm. I didn't realise that he actually wrote The Goonies. No, neither did I. I knew he wrote The Poltergeist, but not The Goonies. Yeah, no, he wrote The Goonies. Yeah. Yeah, so I'd like to know what his inspirations were for for Sloth. That must have been, like, for his kids. Yeah, it must have been. Must have been. But, you know, quality film. All seven of them. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, He's got three Oscars. He's only got three Oscars, which is really really surprising. Two for Best Director, which is uh, Schindler's List and Saving Private Ryan. I forgot about those. I'm glad I I said Saving Private Ryan around the right way. Um, uh, Yeah, (laughs) Saving Ryan's Private. And, uh, And he won one Best Picture, which was for Schindler's List. Mm. So yeah. out of all the films, it's just though he's only won three. Because he's, he's obviously awards. like he is one of the one of if not the name in kind of film directing, right? It's yeah. the first name that comes to mind when you think of you know famous director. Yeah. Oh yeah. He he sets the precedent. Only, mm. You know, won the three <laughs> Oscars. But you think like what Peter Jackson has won three of three films? Yeah, but that, that's sort of like that was pretty consecutive for that yeah, yeah I, know, I know but the, the principle being like you know it's, it's, well it's Ridley amazing. Scott has only Ridley Scott hasn't won that many mm. either yeah. when you think that Ridley Scott is I'm trying to think of like a director that 
that's got full. like a bag full. Just a trunk full. It but I can't. They me. all seem to, well, unless they're doing like trilogy works and they're getting Oscars from that, you, you don't tend you to don't see know. them uh, getting them like day in and day out. Uh, it's usually when they're going for the Oscar bait movies like The Revenant, yeah. Yeah. Um, Saving Private Ryan, like World War Two ones, do really good at the Oscars. Dunkirk, yeah, that's all. But it, it's yeah, just it's just a massive surprise to me mm. that he's only won three, which is you know, and he is kind of like the the. the what's the word? He's I'm like the Stanley for? Kubrick of our generation. Yeah, he yeah. he sets yeah. the precedent and the the standard for movie direction in mm. the modern era of cinema and he has been uh, you know recognized as such he is an mm. honorary knight of the british empire you mm. know he can't be a sir because he's american but he's an honorary sir yeah you know mm. and he's mm. also got the same privilege from italy as well which is you know fantastic yeah, yeah, yeah. for him mm. but yeah only three Academy Awards, only three Oscars, which was a real surprise. Hmm. Um, and some little-known facts about him. He was inducted into the Sci-Fi Hall of Fame in 2005, and he is the very... <laughs> the greatest on. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. But, but, but <laughs> that was just a bunch of nerds in the back of their car <laughs> saying, yeah, you're, you're in, Steve. No, 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 <laughs> but he is the first non-literary contributor to be accepted in. All the oh, others okay. Are, okay. Are, are, are book Comic writers, book writers. Yeah, <laughs> basically. Um, he's a massive collector of film memorabilia. He currently owns Rosebud Sled from Citizen Kane. He bought that in 1982. The original script for War of the Worlds by Orson Welles. The original script. Um, He's a massive film buff, and he goes to see every major film release, whether it's in the cinema. If he can't make it to the cinema, he will have a private copy. But nine times out of ten, he goes to the cinema to watch every major film release. That's pretty awesome. That's pretty impressive. He is apparently, according to his wiki, he will sit and watch as many films as he can in his downtime to get inspiration yeah, from yeah, other yeah. film directors yeah. and, oh. and writers, yeah. which, which is a class act. Yeah, yeah. You know, not saying that others aren't, but it keeps them really current then as well, like on top of the trends and everything. Which obviously you can see when it comes to Ready Player One. Yes, yeah. You know, which we discussed in the last podcast. So have a listen to that. Um, you know, to, to kind of see what we think about that film, but you can tell with the direction and the production of it that he's really moved with the times, and not you know if you compare it to you know some of like I don't know Schindler's List for instance, a different type of movie, mm, but, completely. But the there are still slight aspects in that in terms of the production mm. that you can see in Ready Player One, where he has his own Spielberg-esque style. Yes, yeah. But even if you go back to uh, Batteries Not Included, or even further, back to Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Mm. It's like we spoke about Ready Player One. I think it's that attention to detail that really is his stick, because um, he he just... It's almost like he concentrates so hard on one aspect of the films, such as soundtrack, and he'll complete it to the best of his abilities, obviously getting his friend John Williams to help with it a lot of the times. Um, but then uh, he'll flick his attention to like cinematography and he'll nail that aspect down. Yeah. And he just seems to do it in like uh, in perfect order. And like you can tell when you're watching it that everything has been so focused on 
yeah. really, like, attention-wise. But you can tell that as well in the TV shows that he's done, most notably Falling Skies. Mm. In that, you could so tell that that was a, that Spielberg had sprinkled his, his fairy dust on that because that was a fantastic piece of uh, of TV cinema. Yeah, and mm. you know the what you got from that is what you would expect in a Spielberg film. It was very, very close encounters of the third kind, very ET esque, a little bit darker. You know, going down the sort of Tim Burton style dark with Christopher Nolan, but he. Mm he pulled it together so well it's just a shame that towards the end of the series it kind of fell a bit flat and it's like they mm. kind of run out of ideas whereas in a film you can condense it you can cut out the bits that feel a bit flat and you can edit it as such that it looks and feels and sounds like a film whereas in a TV show obviously it ran for five seasons Yeah, each episode was an hour and I think there was like 13 episodes per season Yeah, so it, dragging out the premise over that yeah. long obviously took its toll but that's not to take away from the fact it was absolutely fantastic and it had his own you know it had the Spielberg touch on it and and any Spielberg film you can see that they all have very similar aspects to them Mm. um, which is great but you know his long long list of films is just ridiculous and I I challenge anybody not to pick a film out of his list and say oh my god I love that film and we'll go through some of his, his major ones after the little quiz but we are going to do a quiz and then once the quiz is done we'll play some music and then we'll come back with the results okay. and we'll go through the results so pens and uh, paper at the ready which we have here in hand and those of you listening and playing along please do you will have 10 seconds to write your answer what I am looking for is the name of the film the year the film was um, released You'll still get a point if you're one year either side out. That's fine. If you're past that, then you don't. Um, the character name and the actor of that character. I hope some of these are easy. <laughs> so you will get you will get a maximum of four points per question. Obviously, if you get close to the to the character's name or close to the um, this is going to be so hard. The actor's yeah. name, <laughs> so then hard. that's fine. But bearing in mind this is all Spielberg films. Okay, all of them are Spielberg <laughs> films. So. It'll be interesting to see. Well, I don't believe it. <laughs> yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Are we ready? Yeah, let's do this. Heck, remember, ten seconds between each one. Okay. Ten seconds to get all four. Two little mice fell in a bucket of cream. The first mouse quickly gave up and drowned. The second mouse wouldn't quit. He struggled so hard that eventually he turned that cream into butter and crawled out. There you go. That's the first one there. Yeah, that wasn't easy. Is that all you're, you're going to ask me? Well, I got a couple of thousand goddamn questions, you know? I want to speak to someone in charge. I want a lodge a complaint. If this is just nerve gas, how come I know everything in such detail? I've never been here before. How come I know so much? There you go. It's a classic film, that one. It's a classic Spielberg film. go p51 cadillac of the skies <laughs> alex i feel like we're gonna look like really stupid here there you go back to the forest run for your lives it's a classic 
Looky, looky, I got hooky. Now, if you don't get that one, I'm sorry, but what? Oh, what's, what's his name? $10,000 for me by myself. For that, you get the head, the tail, the whole damn thing. Remember, it's a test. It's a quiz. Don't share your answers. No, I'm, I'm simply saying that life uh, finds a way. Now, I'm sorry, but one of you, if you don't get that... I know who that is. Yeah. Um... Uh, medicine is for God. Goat? Yes, yes. Medicine is, is for God. God. Don't worry, during the break we can go through a few more of them, it's fine. This is number nine where I'm at, right? Yeah. Not the man I knew ten years ago. It's not the years, right? It's the mileage. See? They're tank busters, sir, P-51s. On our shoulders. Tank Busters P 51s again. Think war. You were right and I was wrong there. Did you ever expect to hear me say such a thing? Thank God for Site B. Site B. Site B. Okie dokie, Dr. Jones, hold on to your potatoes. There you go, okie dokie, Dr. Jones, hold on to your potatoes. So there you go, guys, that's it. Is there any in there that you would like to have a quick listen back to before we play a little bit of music? Obviously, for those on the podcast, if we do play anything, you can just skip past this bit. Um, and obviously, you have the uh, the ability to pause and to go I back to I just realised we're meant to do the years as well. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> oh. yeah. It's fine. You've still got the break to write down the years oh, as well. Man. Those on the podcast and those playing at home can obviously uh, tweet in if they want to. Is there any more you want to listen to? Should we team up? No. <laughs> no. I don't think it's going to help. Right. We'll play a little bit of music and then we will be back.
I'm Holly Dempsey. You're listening to The Film and TV Show with Richard S.
There we go. So we've, we've had fun during the break. Um, we have had lots of fun during the break. So um, just to recap then, mm. um, obviously there are 12 questions. There yeah. are four points for each question. Um, I won't repeat what Andrew said in the break um, for number 12 because we, we, we can't say that. Um, well, number it sound really bad. It for, for number 10, no, no, to be fair, we all said it. Um, for number 10, there are two characters two actors speaking you will get a bonus point if you get those uh if you get both of those and um for number six if you get that particular character's full name oh dear god you'll get an additional bonus point as well because they go by a nickname and then it's a full name I haven't even got anyway either. let's crack on <laughs> then so nothing so number one then which mm. was the Christopher Walken. Yeah, that, that's um, it. I got yes, one I got, point. Got Christopher Walken, the, uh, the character's name that he plays is Frank Abagnale Sr. The film mm-hmm. is Catch Me If You Can. Oh, of course oh, it is. From 2002. Uh, oh, no. no so if, no, you no. Get, uh, if you get all four of those... Your little hint about longest running and Catch Me If You Can. Okay, I get that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Longest running was Forrest Gump. Was Forrest Gump, because Tom Hanks is he the guy... But still, Catch Me If You Can running. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Really well, it was a double <laughs> on song <laughs> today. Like, I, yeah, I totally meant that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah I totally meant that. Um, okay, so number two was a guy screaming... What is wrong? You know, why do I know so much? Who are you people? Uh, Close Encounters. That was Close Encounters of the Third Kind, absolutely. And the year? Uh, I I guess 1985. No. 82. No, 1977. Okay, so do you know the character name and the actor behind it? The character name? No, I do not. Um... And what's it? The, the actor. The actor. No, definitely not. So the character <laughs> name is uh, Roy Neary. Roy Neary. And the actor is the great, Fari. great Richard Dreyfus. Oh. oh okay. One of his earlier films. So there we wow. go. Number three, then. Strong nope. start. Strong start. No, nope. <laughs> I just blacked over the number three. Okay, so number three is uh, Empire of the Sun from 1987. Christian Bale. It is Christian Bale. Drum it. Um, oh, when, what year was it? 1987. And the yep. character's name was Jamie Graham. So there you go. It's not Val Kilmer. No. I did give you a hint, though, <laughs> that it was Batman. Christian oh. Bale. Um, okay, number four, and you're going to kick yourselves for this. I skipped over this Number one. four, the character's name was Henry Thomas. The uh, Sorry, the actor's name was Henry Thomas. The character was Elliot. Oh. The, f- the year was 1982, and it was E.G. the extraterrestrial. No. There you go. That was when he was in the classroom Still letting the one. frogs go. <laughs> there you go. So they'll be looking for new co-hosts for Richard, who knows a bit more <laughs> yeah. about movies. Anyone who can apply. <laughs> to be fair, they're not, more, they're not easy. If you've got more than one mark so far, you'll be doing better than me. I've got so. two. Okay, well, so, there you go. so here we go. Number five. I've got this. Hook Rufio Dante Basco, 1991. Perfect score, yes. Oh, I only got it, was, uh, it was Hook from 1991. The character was Rufio and the actor was Dante Basco. Um, See, I okay. should have known that one because you talk about him all the time. I know I do. Mm. I know. Uh, it's number six then. Jaws 1985. It's not 1985. 75. 1975. 
and the character's name was Bartholomew Marion Quint. Was it, there's that a nickname for him name. as well. Quint. Quint, just That's Quint. just Quint, just yeah. goes by Quint. So there we go. Number seven. Jurassic Thor- Park, Ian Malcolm, Jeff, Jurassic uh, Park Jeff Goldblum. World. No, it it's was just normal Jurassic Park. Yeah, yeah you Doctor suck. Ian Malcolm oh, played Doctor by Doctor Malcolm. Yep, that, that that's yes, fine. That yep, Jeff, Jeff Goldblum. Nineteen ninety four. Nineteen ninety three. You still get a point because you're just a year out. I got Jurassic Park. I, I, that Lost World is obviously scribbled on by accident. So. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, I'll take. Sure, that. whatever. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Okay. Cheat. So, uh, <laughs> so, just, so just two, just number eight then. I skipped over this one too. <laughs> Andrew, Raiders of the Lost Ark. No. <laughs> No, number eight. This was a guess. This was one that I didn't really hear. Okay. I kind of had to go back. That's and fine. Like, so number up. eight is uh, Tom Hanks, who plays Tom Victor Navorsky. On oh, the airport one. Oh. Yeah, the airport one is the terminal, terminal from 2004. There you go. Nil point. Nil point. <laughs> uh, number nine. I guess Chin's list. <laughs> no. No. Okay, that's me done. Jaws 2. No. Damn it. <laughs> Number 9 is Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> oh, 1981. Oh, the jo- Indiana Jones, played by Harrison so, so Ford. Really? You know, you know, like, how if we're one year out? Well, yeah. I'm only one question out from getting it right. Uh, so I, I got no, Raiders no. of the Last One. If you put it on no. the wrong one, it's your <laughs> You put it on the wrong one. Come on, guys. Okay, <laughs> number, 10, number 10. Number uh, 10. Saving Private Ryan. Yes. Matt yep. Damon and Tom Hanks. Yep. And I put Private Ryan and Captain Smith because I didn't know. <laughs> it's Private Ryan and Captain Miller. You were close. And the <laughs> year was. 2000? 1998. Damn. 19, but you do get a bonus one point for getting Matt, Matt Damon there. So. Oh, what, uh, what's the score, Alex? What, what are you on? Uh, I'll have to count up later. Oh, count yeah. it afterwards. Okay, right. yeah. um, okay so, number 11. Uh, Jurassic Park 2. Yeah. Which is called Lost World. Lost World, Lost World yeah. absolutely. Um, and I had uh, the Park Dude. The Park Dude. <laughs> the park dude. <laughs> okay. I couldn't remember his <laughs> character's name, uh, but that's played by um, uh, the bro- guy. <laughs> yeah. the, the brother of the that the guy. nature guy. No. <laughs> nature so, dude. <laughs> so yeah, you, you're right, but no. Um, so it's the Lost World, 1997. John Hammond played by the late great Richard Attenborough. I got one point. Um, the brother of the nature dude that's yeah. the best best answer I've ever it's heard. David Attenborough's brother you didn't know you said the nature dude I, I'm going to clip that and I'm going to stick that because that was just brilliant whatever uh, how, how do you describe Sir Richard Attenborough the brother, nature dude's brother, brother. Yeah. brilliant okay number 12 last one then Indiana Jones Temple of Doom yes. short round and I guess 1995 played by Jaden Smith no played oh, by God. Jonathan Kikwan uh, who was also Data in the Goonies oh yes he was wasn't he yes he was so there you are so that is uh, that is all 12 Chris all 12 oh, Chris what am I talking about who's Chris I don't know I honestly don't know uh, how many marks are in total uh, 4 times 12 so 48 yeah, but there were some extras in there weren't there something uh, saving ones. private ryan is an extra one if you get matt damon an extra one for so it's 50 points in total um Ooh, strong showing that we're up for up Don't for forget. grabs strong showing what's your score 
Not as good as yours. Uh, us. Tell Come me. on, spill the I, beans. I got, a, I got a healthy 10 out of 50. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I got 17. There you go. <laughs> I'm nearly average. Woo! There you go. Not so, really. if any of you guys out there listening on the podcast uh, have your scores, <laughs> feel free to tweet us what your scores were, your final scores, uh, and see if you can beat beat the boys it's not see really, it's not really <laughs> see if you could beat them is it really it's to be fair like, though how much did you beat us by <laughs> in, yeah, but in all fairness though it wasn't exactly easy no, they weren't no you know I was lied to before this <laughs> someone <laughs> like, said it would be an easy quiz fine. <laughs> it is easy it's easy if you know it you're going to be yeah. humiliated on radio <laughs> It's, That's it's, it, I quit. <laughs> to be fair, wow. though, you, you did almost the same as that, and you did with the last quiz that we did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so you are averaging out the same. So that's bang, perfect. You're bang average. average. You're bang so, average. So we'll do another quiz. Sounds like my teachers. No. Oh. <laughs> we'll, we, no. we will do. We'll do another quiz next week, and we'll see how you play with that one. Hopefully, depending okay. on what whatever topic we decide to do between now and the end of the show. I'm gonna have to do some healthy like revision. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, so now the quiz is done, fantastic. So let's talk about Spielberg films because there are just so, so many mm. classic films that we touched on in in the quiz. So the likes of Close Encounters of the Third Kind, E.T., uh, Raiders, Temple of Doom, we'll skip over The Last Crusade and uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. I, didn't, I quite liked The Last Crusade. It was okay, but... It, I suddenly remembered my Charlemagne. <laughs> <laughs> see now, see now. Subscribing to the podcast just to hear. We we should yes. do one just on yeah, on Alex's yeah. impressions. <laughs> do you, Christopher Walken? No. Oh no, I'm not doing that. Do it. Uh, no, because all I have name. to say is like, Daddy's ass. That's fine. <laughs> it's like, um, what was he talking about? Channing Ch- butter and things like that. Yeah, it's just crazy, unbelievable. Um, so yeah, so he he has a huge, humongous back catalogue of films going all the way back to Jewel. Yeah, his very very first one. That's D U E L, not what you find in rings and yeah. shit. Um, <laughs> you know, shit. yeah, jewels. You know, so <coughs> he's done some absolute amazing films. Yeah, one of my favourite is probably Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Love Close Encounters purely because it's so simplistic, but still so wrapped up in itself it's it's a real kind of head turner and you know with the i mean the potato mountain and yeah. the the highway scene is just phenomenal and then you've got the the kind of five tune yeah. five bits at the end i mean that is synonymous with close encounters i mean mm-hmm. you play that to anybody they will instantly know that that's close encounters that was on a um i don't know if it's a coca-cola advert but some advert with like bottles and they were like blowing over the tops of it and it was the five five tone tune yeah. and um I think there was also like a mashed potato ad at one point that someone sculpted a mountain out of potato and it's it's just so sort of um recognizable now in modern culture to make like jokes about close encounters. Yeah. Or like to use it at your at, at everyone's advantage. Um but yeah, it's it's one of his classics. It's one of his originals and I think Thankfully, we're seeing the end of Steven Spielberg, the uh, alien conspiracy theorist. Yes. Because he did have a large part of his career dedicated to it. And um, although he does good work when he, like, concentrates on it and, you know, sometimes it can influence other things, i.e. Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull. That was just 
and it was a bit mm, rubbish. That was just it brought the, it down because no, of the aliens. A uh, bit rubbish isn't the words that I would use. But, yeah, but you know we're not really allowed to swear on here, so yeah. Um, but yeah, that was just ridiculous. I mean, you you kind of watching that thinking, yeah, this is actually not that bad. Yeah, aliens. Yeah. She's like, oh, you've just lost it now. It's that meme <laughs> of the guy with the crazy hair just going, aliens. Yeah. Why? Because aliens. Because aliens. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. But no, there are some, you know, he has some amazing films. His, he actually released his very, very first film in 1959 called George. Hmm. It was an amateur film called George, and then he had two in 1969, Fighter Squad, Escape to Nowhere, and then again in 1964, Firelight. Um, they were his his main ones, and then in 68, he came out with his very first theatrical release, Jewel. which was Amblin. Oh, no. And then Jewel in 1971, and kind oh, of. Oh, is that why the company was called Amblin? As well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was taken awesome. from from his kind of from the film because there is a, a production company which he's part of mm. called Amblin. Um, and then from then on in, you've got his first major success was Jewel's 75, yeah. um, followed literally two years later by Close Encounters. Jaws is such a scary movie, even today. Like, yeah, terrifies yeah. me. Gave me a fear of the open ocean, which was awesome. Thanks, <laughs> thanks, Stephen. I'll be Thank suing you. you. Uh, no, <laughs> but um, there's a new film coming out uh, with oh, Jason Meg. Statham called The Meg, oh. and that oh, that just like oh, let's that make kind Jaws of makes bigger. yeah, it, it's literally just <laughs> like, awesome. it's one of those sci-fi movies, but with a budget. Yeah. So it'll be, it it's going to be funny, but it's not going to be serious. It's not going to be seriously well, they've, they've scary even, like Jaws was. They've even taken the the poster, haven't they? And they've done they've like have some you know the, the classic poster of someone swimming on top of the water with Jaws yeah. underneath, and then with Meg, which is like, you know, if you imagine Jaws, it's probably a good hundred times bigger, which just makes yeah. it look silly. See, now what would make it even like, better if they right. just had a picture of Meg from Family Guy, just <laughs> yeah. hidden, hidden somewhere Meg. in it? Yeah, that would be funny. Shut up, Meg. Because that would just be funny. Yeah, shut up, Meg. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping someone says that in the movie. <laughs> oh, can you imagine? That would be amazing. Jason Statham, shut up, Meg. <laughs> Jason <laughs> Statham. But, you know, Jaws is... It is, is a s- Kung Fu kick it to death? I'd Possibly. Not, not he might do. It's a Megalodon, though, so I doubt it. Um, but, it but Jaws was a real scary film, and it was one mm. of those films that you kind of have to watch and over and over again. And I did. I was actually... the uh, You're going to need a bigger boat scene. Watching that... When uh, when that guy kind of sits up, it looks like it's all faked. Oh no, it, it's real because it was a it, real mechanical thing. That no, no. Been. But what I mean is his his reaction, the way he moves his head, and he literally his whole body stays straight, and he kind of goes whoop, yeah, upright in real quick speed. Mm-hmm. And you just think, no, that can't be real. But I know that it was only it was only mechanical. Um, <laughs> it wasn't a real shot. It wasn't a real shot. <laughs> it was mechanical, obviously. Um, Semi biographical. <laughs> Yeah, but it was, it, you know, but even back then you can tell by his direct director kind of... Flair. Yeah, he did have it's a flair for the dramatics, and I think especially like in that bit where he's chucking the, tr- the, the chum in the scene and it just kind of jumps up. With the hideous, um, with the hideous Draws sequels that came out afterwards uh, and they started to try and implement things like CGI, you can clearly see that no one had the... Um, sort of attention to detail like we were going on about to really really bring it to life and really yeah. capture the same sort of uh, feeling and the essence of the movie and it at the time I remember like, looking at documentaries for Jaws and it was incredibly difficult the shark thing, uh, the shark prop on the back of the boat kept breaking down because obviously water and electronics don't work together Yeah, um, but they managed to get it done and it still looks incredible 
even today. I mean, so. the film still holds up. Yeah. You know, it's still one of those films that people always talk about because it's such an iconic film, even though it's from 1975. You know, yeah. it's it's the same age as Aliens. I yeah. thought it was way that's, more that's, tight. Well, that's his testament, isn't it? That, yeah. that it can stand up to that amount of time. And, and in, in a similar way to, you know, there was certainly the original Alien film, like, because of the way it's shot and the, you know... Mm it doesn't need cgi to help it stand up you you know no. they, they can manage with the you know the animatronics and that kind of stuff and it works without the need for cgi no. and that's why it stands up whereas the, these days you know the, the more films you see with cgi then you look back on films with older cgi and they look yeah. dreadful they look awful you know. absolutely like even avatar's starting to show its age <clears> now yes um in terms of steven spielberg and probably to a lesser degree of george lucas they're both sort of directors that are very set heavy in terms of like props and everything they are real designs obviously George Lucas then went and did the prequels which was nearly entirely green screen Um, but certainly in the earlier days when they were doing films like Jaws Indiana Jones and things like that all the sets are 100% made Uh, and yeah they were expensive at the time but that was the only way to get them like to re- look realistic on screen, but that—that's the thing, though, is that when you look at those sorts of films, so cl- even Close Encounters of the Third Kind, right? Mm. Um, E.T., Raiders, even the Twilight Zone movie, Temple of Doom, um, The Color Purple, Empire of the Sun—you watch them, they hold their own. Yeah. Mm. In terms mm. of quality of the the scene, um, the the sets, the direction, the production, the even the script work. It, they hold their own, all of them, and they're all um, all very similar, which is to be expected because the director is the same person. However, when you look at some of the more recent films, they don't even now like Avatar starting to you know starting to form. I mean, that is two thousand and nine; it's nearly ten years old. But mm. when you say that, you think, oh, well, it's only nearly ten years old. It, it shouldn't be that far out of date. When Jaws and Close Encounters are closer 40. to forty <coughs> years, but it's, it's that attention to detail, isn't it? I mean. You know, films that I really love, like the Lord of the Rings trilogy, for example, I absolutely love those films. And I'm someone who's watched the extended special features, which are like, you know, there's like 12 hours of footage on each each DVD. And it shows how much detail they put into, you know, creating physical versions of all the weapons, of all the armor. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, you know, it's proper like plate steel and all that kind of stuff. Like, there's these two guys that sat in a workshop and literally made chain, chain mail yeah. out of bits of rubber tubing they literally rubbed the, the fingerprints off their thumb and, and finger by doing this because they had to make so many suits of armor that looked legit and real yeah and that's the sort of thing where you're like i now see those three films and i think they're not going to be able to be remade for a, a long time because to make it better you'd have to is going to be incredibly it, yeah. difficult yeah because they've done it so well and they put in that attention to detail that yes it cost a flipping fortune i'm sure but He's done it right, and they will last. They will stand the test of time. And he had the time and the budget uh, behind him to do yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Whereas I think that's where the hobbits kind of fell down because he didn't exactly have the time to get. Yeah, all but Spielberg the didn't have that much <clears throat> no, budget no. in terms of the films that he had, and he made every single but he under- cent count. I think he understood every film that he was getting on board with. He knew what his budget needed to be spent on. It was one of those things where he knew with Jaws he was making a horror film and the main thing was that he had to make a believable shark yeah uh, and he had to get decent actors to portray like a serious sense of fear and everything um and you can say see even like nowadays uh he'll only introduce like mega films like Ready Player 1 
if he knows that they're going to succeed and if he knows the products that he can put into there are realistic and achievable. And that, that's the thing. And, you know, we'll, we will go back to Ready Player One, which mm. is his most recent film. And you can see when you compare, you know, the likes of Jaws, Close Encounters, E.T., you can see aspects of each one of his films is within Ready Player One in some yeah. way, shape or form. Like the sets, for instance, the stacks, they were all properly built. Yeah. Uh, the only reason I know this is because the, the guy from uh, from Ready Player One actually told me that, that the stacks were actually all purpose-built. Yeah. So they were, they were an actual proper set. They were properly... You know, I mean, they weren't as full high as they are in the film, but they were high enough to make it believable. Yeah. Yeah. And they were built, you know, hand-built, using proper trailers, using proper bits. So you just think, you know, that obviously goes back to his set-building days mm. with, with Jaws and um, with probably with E.T. I would say not so much Close Encounters, because Close Encounters was, was kind of his first foray into CGI, Yeah, I think. And you can tell, especially the highway scenes and the ending... Um, spoiler with the uh, with the big ships and with the aliens and whatnot. It's you can see that that was CGI heavy, but it's odd that that CGI actually holds up when some of the other more recent doesn't. Mm. It would be interesting to see what Ready Player One looks like in ten years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I think so. I think to be fair, Ready Player One, uh, in terms of its CGI moments it is going to be difficult for that to hold up purely because when you do rely on heavy amounts of CGI and trying to replicate uh, the human body and the human face in uh, 3D it always tends to age fairly quickly um, you can look at things like you remember the Final Fantasy Spirits Within oh, movie yeah that was dreadful yeah yeah, that yeah. W- well it was it was a terrible movie but generally the CGI now if you look at it it's yeah, it's worse than video games that are out today. So, well, yes, and that's the same with the uh, what was it, the um, Beowulf film? Do you remember yeah. the Beowulf film with yeah. Angelina Jolie and, and Ray Winston? Yeah, oh, that, and yeah, that, but and that it, was that CGI again. was awful. Exactly, but, but, but you know, it seemed like time, it was it the looked, pinnacle at the time, but it, it, it's aged so quickly. Yeah, yeah, right. So we'll, it, it will be interesting to find out whether this, um, whether Ready Player One will be one of those things where we just simply overlook it for uh, the story and. For the enjoyment of the movie, or whether we will go, oh, I'm not watching that because it looks dreadful. But then, you know, I'm sure a lot of people were thinking the same about things like Batteries Not Included. I mm. mean, for me, Batteries Not Included is a great film, but it's a step back from here. I mean, he didn't he didn't produce it or anything. He he was accredited to it, but he didn't actually um, actually produce it. He was he was an executive producer. So he had no direction on it, but he he produced it the same as he did with Back to the Future. He was an executive producer. But you can still see slight aspects of Close Encounters in Batteries Not Included, but it just seems like a step backwards, whereas E.T. was a massive step forward in terms of animatronics using, uh, you know, with a... You know, the alien isn't real. It is an animatronic. <laughs> what? Unfortunately, um, so I hate to break crying. it to you. There are kids out there now, or they'd be crying at the end of ET anyway. I, I, I cried at the end of ET. I was uh, frightened by some of ET when I when I was a kid. Obviously, not not <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not when I Don't show me that movie. When, yeah. I, <laughs> when I was a kid, I, w- I would always try and make my bike fly. That's know. dangerous. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't. <laughs> okay. it, it wasn't brilliant. I can tell you, a few cuts and bruises. I um, but, 
my childhood thing was Hook, uh, as yes. like we've talked about this like at length. But uh, that was universally panned by critics when it was released. I know, and, uh, and now it's a cult classic. Yeah, it's a cult classic. The sets are incredible in in the Neverland, uh, especially around the pirates area. Yeah. Uh, and to a lesser extent, obviously, I keep saying lesser extent today, uh, but either way, um, the Lost Boys, like treehouse sort of thing. Um, but yeah, that was quite basic, but yeah. it was still the attention to detail to it. I mean, there are some scenes where you can see it's quite clearly um, like a, a plywood type. Yeah, it, it looks very sort of um, theatrical stage at certain points, but it kind of is, uh, I don't know, like. It's charming because you can see it's like so Flawed. fantastical and so sort of like crazy yeah. that they did these sort of soundstage crazy stuff. Um, but yeah, for a long time and still, when you look at that movie, the the simple aspect of uh, Robin Williams flying that's old school wire work. And yeah. it's actually really difficult uh, to how they got it to look so fluid and so sort of believable, uh, especially with. You know, erasing all the wires in the actual um, in the actual film itself. So, yeah, that's that's impressive, even for like one of his supposedly like universally panned movies, despite it now being cult classic that I, I grew up on. That, that's all, that also brings up an interesting point, though, doesn't it? That you wonder how many of these films, if they had the kind of uh, almost crowd uh, reviewing system that we have today like Tomatoes, like Tomatoes, yeah. how many of those films would never have got a chance for most people because they would have seen somebody review it and go no it's rubbish maybe and then you know it gets critically panned and, and you know people are almost critiquing it even if they haven't seen it just because someone else has oh, yeah. said it's terrible that's, and then it, and it, and it kind of colours your opinion of what a film is going to be like right like I mean an example for me and these these guys are going to we know exactly what you're <laughs> going to say is, is, is Justice League right oh I, knew it. I knew these it. guys and not only these guys but out, out in the world like told me it was terrible <laughs> I'm really, just te- really terrible and I, actually, I actually quite enjoyed it I mean I'm not going to say, sit here and say it was an amazing film because it wasn't but no, it wasn't it, really it was it, it was a good film and I, I <clears> to be honest preferred <laughs> it to the new thought or which I thought was a bit average this is why you're not on so, every week. Well, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> but in terms of but that but that principle, like, I went I went in fully expect. I mean, because I love DC, but I went in fully expecting to to watch a crap film, like watch a really crap film. But then again, I think and that's another really point for me. Because if you go and I found like if I go and expecting great things from a movie, I usually leave disappointed. Whereas when I read these terrible reviews, I do come out and I do feel like oh that yeah. wasn't as bad as everyone was saying. Uh, I did that with the Last Jedi and. Um, was pleasantly surprised. I even bought the Blu-ray recently as soon as it came well, out. Well, I, I bought it because it's, <laughs> it's, Star Wars, it's Star Wars, right? You yeah. can't not yeah. see it, but that, yeah. I, in, in, in reverse, I thought it was pretty terrible. Well, we'll have to see what they say about yeah. Avengers Infinity War. Yeah. That I would, you know, I would love to see Spielberg do something like Avengers. I'm Josh Brolin was in the Ghoulies as well. He was. Yeah. Did you actually, did, did you see that he... Um, that he, he went dressed up to a Halloween party dressed as himself from the Goonies. Oh, that would be really? awesome. It was No, he did. He literally did. He went what, to a Halloween yeah. party dressed as himself from the Goonies. Imagine, like, like, opening the door to Josh Brolin. <laughs> like, and just be like, whoa, whoa, okay, dressed up, weird. Dressed up as his character from the Goonies. All, yeah. all, all that's missing now is Chunk, Data, Mouth, Mikey, Sloth, the uh, Fratellis, although... Thanos. 
<laughs> yeah, he just strolls you with his infinity gauntlet. Where are you going? Yeah, could you imagine? Oh, could you imagine if that happened in Infinity War? Like, or even in Deadpool? Yeah. Deadpool 2 could work. Yeah. Let's not go down that. Let's not go down that. The crux of it is that Spielberg is is a monumental genius when it comes to production, direction, and even writing. I mean, the fact that he wrote The Goonies. Yeah, which is probably which is in my top five films of all time. <laughs> I love The Goonies because it's so so childlike. Yes, yeah, it's and it's but it's also quite scary, you know, with the Fratellis, with the pirates, and walking the plank, and all of that as well. You add that on top; it's very, it's still a scary child film nowadays. Yeah. That'd probably get a, a twelve rating yeah. nowadays, mm. as opposed to a PG. Um, you know, yep. it, it would be a 12 because, you know, the British broad- Broadcasting Film Society people... Strangely, would... like, I see a lot of, like... Um, sorry, just to... No, go on, you right. uh, About the Goonies and everything. I see a lot of the Goonies in Stranger Things. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and, like, I see a lot of Steven Spielberg in Stranger Things as well, um, purely because of that sort of... Uh, Goonies-type feel to Goonies it. slash uh, Close Encounters almost at certain points. You know what? You're not wrong there. I think with, mm. with probably more so the second yeah. season that's, of Stranger that's, Things. That's all that, so that kind of 80s feel. Though, yeah, right? that, 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 that is 80s. That, yeah. Because it's set 80s, it <laughs> instantly feels... Because there's the same elements, the same kind of. But doesn't that just go to background? show that when you think of the '80s, you think of Spielberg films? Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Doesn't that just kind Absolutely. of? Isn't but that a testament? Again, you think of the '90s and there's Spielberg think, films like Jurassic Park and yeah, like Hook and. I mean, like, Jurassic Park was. Um, we did touch on it last week, mm. uh, talking about books to films. It was just, it it, it was a great film of its time and it yeah, probably yeah. still is now I think you could probably put it toe to toe with the new Jurassic Parks and it would probably beat <laughs> yeah. them hands oh, down yeah, yeah. oh yeah not just for for script work production um, and direction but but also for for sets and for yeah. for scenes yeah. and, and, and generic taking over like, again. like yeah. that the, the first Jurassic Park you feel genuinely scared. I mean, it may be because I watched it as a kid, but like, you feel genuinely scared, like especially for the the kids that are in, you know, stuck in the park. Whereas in the new Jurassic World, it feels like a, just a bit of a joke the whole time. Like the kids are never. I'm, I'm, I don't ever feel any emotional attachment to the, the no. children that are kind of running about. Whereas in like, oh, it's more bigger, bigger dinosaurs getting more, the proper, and more stupid. If you look at like, the original Jurassic Park and you look at Jurassic World and you compare the two, there is a couple of major things that stick out. One with Jurassic Park being that you barely see a dinosaur for the first hour of the movie. A bit like with Jaws, you barely see the shark and, uh, yeah. for the full first Alien. hour of the movie. Same. It's about tension and building that up. And then you look at Jurassic World, and they're not only splashing dinosaurs as much as possible all over the screen uh, to try and sort of almost anaesthetize you to it, but then um, the movie itself doesn't end where it should because... It just keeps going. It just keeps going and going and going, and it... A lot of these movies suffer from like movie bloat, where they just can't stop themselves from telling more and more and more, and it just ruins the story in uh, in terms of general how it should be. Where you know you have the opening act, the middle, and the end. You don't have a part D, E, F, G. No, and that's what makes Spielberg stand out from from anyone. Is that all of his films, even Ready Player One, mm. regardless of what I think about it, and if you want to know about what I think about it, <laughs> listen to our previous podcast because you'll hear it. Um, regardless <laughs> of what I it? think about it, in comparison to the book, that it has 
a beginning, a middle, and an, and an end. The only the only downside I would say is that he's falling into that trap a little bit of showing too much too soon. Yeah, and I think, but that's because I the source material is so heavy that there's so, so much to get yeah. in that it, that you have to mm-hmm. do, which I completely get. Mm-hmm. You know, whereas the source, like the Michael Crichton's book, for instance. You don't see anything for a while, so he can use that to His to, to, to build it. And and he's done, you know, testament to to Spielberg because he's done so well with all of his films mm. that he's been able to stick to that beginning, mm. middle, and an end. And he always ends it at the logical end point. He doesn't feel the need to drag it on, which is, you know. Again, it's a testament to his old school style of direction. I've never yeah. felt with any Steven Spielberg movie when I've watched it. Oh, uh, what's going to happen in the sequel? Never. No. You no. never get yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. There is no sequel bait at the end of his movies because it's just him telling you a story yeah. and it's uh, perfectly uh, independent and you don't need to watch The Lost World uh, in order to, you know... Um, to understand to where understand it's coming from. Or where it's going. But it's interesting about like, what you said about, you know, not revealing revealing stuff too soon. Because like, the, the epitome, I think, of that is for me was the alien, the first alien film when yeah. i first watched it i knew about it i knew what the alien looked like but i'd never seen the film i watched about 45 minutes of it going <laughs> where is this thing like what is going on like because yeah. nothing is because you know they obviously had the face i brought it on the ship and you're like flipping it this is but that's like, but that's but, because but the tension Scott. is just building and building the yeah. whole time because like, i know it's i mean for me personally because i knew what the alien looked like i was like i know this thing is coming but mm. it hasn't got here yet, and that's kind of the tension is just you know building and building, and and that makes it a better film for it, and you know, and often like the way you think with the current you know crop of horror films is, it seems to be more about making jump scares. this person either yeah it's either jump scares or the person that's out to get everyone is practically invincible, so you you kill them like five times and they just get back yeah. up again, and that's not that's not clever threatening. No. that's just boring but, but and, you, know. you feel like that for aliens because Ridley Scott is of the same era and the mm. same mm. same beginnings in terms of his direction mm. and his production yeah. and his uh, writing as Spielberg yeah. Yeah. They, they come from the same era where they, they they want you to build up I mean you've only got to look at even Indiana Jones you yeah. know yeah. it's a slow build for Indiana Jones in the first one and then it kind of culminates with Carly Ma. Yeah, at the yeah. end of Raiders, uh, end of Temple yeah, of Doom, Temple of Doom, yeah, even yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas <laughs> you kind of think nowadays, it's all very feels like you have to you have to plug the first half with loads of really exciting things. Yeah, happening. and they tend to kind of start off at the ending, I and then kind of mm-hmm. go go back and then go forward, and it's it's so like just just tell us a story. Yeah, just tell us a story. We're getting too many of these sort of. I like superhero movies, but we're getting too many of these Marvel movies, just like Guardians 2, where it starts off with this sort of action sequence at the very beginning in that sort of almost the titles, effectively. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's it's just sort of, if you start at a big crescendo, you've got to either maintain that crescendo or keep going up and down, because it's just like a, a song, effectively. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and to maintain it, it just gets ridiculous. Uh, and the audience just gets sort of uh, blindsided to it and you don't even realise you're watching it. It doesn't have the impact. But exactly. Then th- th- there's a song that that is the perfect epitome of that that starts off slow and crescendos all the way up, and that's Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah. 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 It crescendos all the way up, and then the last minute and ten seconds it's is intense. just full-on intense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, but that, again, that, that that's interesting, like... 
I mean, again, because I know it so well, the reference to the second Lord of the Rings film, in the in the special features, they talk about well, obviously the the um, battle with Shelob, the giant spider, is actually set at the end of the second book. Yeah. Right, and they go, well, why did you move it to the the third film? Well, because at the at the same wait, well, technically at the same time in the books, you're having Helm's Deep going on and mm. this Shelob fight going on, and. Or, you know, not not in, not chronologically at the same time, but in in the books, you know, yeah. positions. And if you have those two crescendos at the same time, they're going to battle each other. And you're going to, you know, if you're cutting from that to yeah. from a Shelob fight to Helm's Deep back to Shelob, you're going to lose the, the excitement of both. Yeah, you know, you're not going to have this really exciting fight at Helm's Deep or this, you know, kind of tense scene with Shelob because actually they're going to be competing for each other and they're going to yeah. completely lose it for both of them. So he's like, well, actually, mm. let's have Helm's Deep that intercuts with. The scenes with Treebeard, which are actually really slow and just full of dialogue, and nothing is happening, and then you cut back to Helm's Deep, where all the action is, and yeah. you want to know what's going on. Although I do whereas think Shelob then can go into the Return of the King. If we're just like critiquing Two Towers for a second, I do think there are too many cuts in between those scenes. But um, other than that, if we're yeah. talking about Steven Spielberg, he would have known better. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Spiel- Spielberg is is far superior to Peter Jackson. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, we are running out of time. We could just go on and on and yeah. on. And it, isn't it funny how when you talk about Spielberg, you instantly start then talking about other directors and yeah, their comparing films and, them. and comparing them. When all said and done, is that People like Peter Jackson, people like Guillermo del Toro. Mm. Um, you can see Spielberg's influences yeah. in yeah. their work, although albeit it's more, probably more subtle in Guillermo del Toro's uh, style than, say, Peter Jackson's. Yeah. But the the direction style and the production style is very, very similar. Mm. And there are aspects of it which is a testament to... To Spielberg in himself and he'll be one director who when he finally hangs up his his chair he will be sorely missed because yeah. his yeah, style exactly. um, and his uh, the impact he's had on modern cinema is probably not one to be sniffed at because isn't it, really? he is he's an unforgettable much like Ridley Scott he's an unforgettable director who will um, who will probably leave uh, a, a lasting legacy of how to do things right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I I couldn't even pick a favorite of his film because his films because there's far too many for me mm, to pick. Mm. Um, I I probably could pick a couple of bad films. I would imagine <laughs> um, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull was probably the worst of the yeah. lot. Um, I mean, other than that, I think uh, actually AI. I'm going to say oh, AI. Oh yeah, he did do AI. That was a bit with Haley Joel Osment. Is very forgettable. Very his first foray into kind of that sort of era. It um, was, um, it yeah. That was. I didn't know whether that was supposed to be. Uh, yeah, it was just really odd. I, I don't like. But that then, movie. what's really strange is the year after he did Minority Report, yeah. Yeah. which was fantastic. Was yeah. so brilliant. It's like right, AI was his um, tester. Was his tester, and Minority was his. His kind of full-on, full-fledgling. This is it. This is my idea yeah. of a future mm-hmm. um, yeah. sort of scenario, which was which. And, but it's, know, it's interesting, isn't it? Because because I think directors like Spielberg who have had to grow up without the help of CGI and, and without people to make like films Spielberg, go, you know, and without those kind of guys, have had to make films with bare bones, you know, physically making things to make it look real, and, and have still managed to make 
you know, uh, futuristic films mm. using bare bones kind of technology compared to directors these days that have this wealth of technology at their, at their fingertips but almost rely on that to tell the story rather than mm. having so that kind of that down-to-earth grounding in, in how yeah. to film a film and how to direct a film. You could say it's you either know. from, uh, you know... It could be from a laziness standpoint and the fact that why do we have to build it when we can just generate it in CG? There's no de- uh, there's no um, risk to the prop designs that they're going to break yeah. and need repairing. Yeah. But certainly there's there's a, there's something going wrong. Uh, and we, we know it's probably because uh, that studios like the, the ability to simply say, well, props are going to cost a lot. And if they do need repairs, then we're going to have to rebuild them all. Uh, and we'd just prefer the director to make it all in CG because kids like CG and movies. Yeah, which is just, which is just unfortunately, uh, you know, ruins modern cinema because I would love to see a film mm. that is built purely from set work and that yeah. there are no... Well, you can't have a film now with no CGI, unfortunately, you, you, you can't. Mm-hmm. But I would love to see a big, massive blockbuster of a film done with hand-built and hand-crafted sets. Mm. I'd love to see that because... I think it would add more charm and more believability yeah. to to the film, which is which is what Spielberg did with all his films. And like you said, Andrew, he he grew up without the likes of himself to yeah. to fall on. Um, you know, I mean, he probably only had Hitchcock. Yeah, I would imagine um, as one of the great directors. Whereas, you know, the likes of Del Toro, Christopher Nolan, Tim Burton, they have the likes of. Ridley Scott yeah. uh, and Steven Spielberg to to look for look to for guidance and for um, for ideas on how to do certain things. You know the Wachowskis, they yeah. taken a little bit of Spielberg away. You know mm. when when they did their their, their freeze time bullet shots. Yeah, yeah. You know that was effectively taking the technology that he used in ET yeah. for the for the flying bit, but just stopped it and added in CGI. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah, he's he's an absolute genius, and he's one that that will be sorely missed. But he's uh, he isn't dead yet. I'll make it sound like he's dead. <laughs> yes, he's not Sounds dead like yet. He's still memorial, going. Yeah. He's still going strong because Ready Player One is is by all accounts going to break some serious box office stuff until when he next. does die. Come back and listen to the podcast. Yes, <laughs> when it, yeah. When he, when Steven Spielberg does die, come back and reminisce <laughs> with well, us. Uh-huh. I guess, but no, you know, Ready Player One is about to break some serious serious box office. Uh, mm. Which will probably last about six days. Yeah. Um, Infinity until down. Infinity War comes out next week, so everything. which will smash everything. Yeah. But anyway, um, I, I challenge any of you that are listening to to pick a bad Spielberg film apart from Artificial Intelligence, <laughs> um, because that King probably is bad. Skull. And King of the Christmas Skull. Okay. Apart from those two, pick a, <laughs> pick another bad Spielberg film, and I challenge you because I tell you what. And there ain't that many. And don't you dare say Hook or I'll find you. <laughs> yeah, we will find you because I love Hook. And I think most people out there love Hook because it's, it, it's reminiscent of childhood. Um, and it's just, it's just brilliant, you know. And the fact that Rufio dies is... It, Spoiler. <laughs> like, Look, oh, I'm not being funny. If people haven't watched Hook by now, they're never going <laughs> to watch it. They don't know what they're missing. They should definitely watch it. But anyway, um, pick your best Spielberg film. Comment, let us know. Let us know how you got on with your... Um, with your scores as well I'd love to mm. know whether you beat uh, Andrew's 10 or Alex's 17 <laughs> yeah. um, let us know how you go um, and we will be back next week it's been well we've gone well over an hour but that's fine it doesn't matter um, so that's it gentlemen thank you very much thank you thank you uh, thank you all for listening and we shall see you 
Anon. Farewell and adieu to you fair Spanish ladies. Farewell and adieu you ladies of Spain. For we've received orders for to sail back to Boston. And so never more shall we see you again. Come fly with me, let's fly, let's fly away If you can use some exotic booze There's a bar in far Bombay Come fly with me, let's fly, let's fly away Come fly with me, let's float down to Peru in Lama Land, there's a one-man band, and he'll toot his flute for you. Come fly with me, let's take off in the blue. Once I get you up there, where the air is rarefied, we'll just fly, starry eyes. Once I get you up there, I'll be holding you so near. You may hear angels cheer, cause we're together. Weather-wise, it's such a lovely day. Just say the words and we'll beat the birds down to Acapulco Bay. Perfect for a flying honeymoon, they say. Come fly with me, let's fly, let's fly away. Once I get you up there Where the air is rarefied We'll just glide starry-eyed Once I get you up there I'll be holding you so near You may hear angels cheer Cause we're together Weather-wise, it's such a lovely day You just say the words And we'll beat the birds down to Acapulco Bay It's perfect for a flying honeymoon They say, come fly with me Let's fly, let's fly Pack up, let's fly away 